the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. Coming to you live from the back of a donkey wearing a really fabulous hat. (laughs) It's the Worldview Media Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Runyon. They used to call me the big shooter. Now they call you? Well, there's been a paperwork thing. (laughs) Oh, no. The right form wasn't filed or something, and... Uh, so they have to come up with a new nickname for oh, me. Oh no! Yeah. Well, which involves it's it's such a hassle. <laughs> it's such a hassle. It involves a primary season and mm. you know narrowing down the candidates and stuff. I'd have to file a complaint. And New Mexico is always <laughs> one of the last ones to vote. And then it doesn't even matter. Our vote doesn't even count. That's right. I'm going to wind up with some horrible nickname now. What is that maniacal laughter? Can be worse than what you already got. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. (laughs) With me, with me in our mobile studio on back of the donkey is my wife (laughs) Joyce. Hello. Hello. And we are here to talk about the family-friendly entertainment film from many years ago. A while back. Nanny McPhee. Nanny McPhee. That's right. Now, in this story, Nanny McPhee, I have a feeling it's kind of set in the same kind of time and place as Mary Poppins. Probably. And... Just not in the city, not in the big city. Right. The story does kind of bear some resemblance to Mary Poppins. Mm, Yes and no. (laughs) Right. A resemblance. It's not the same story. Yeah. But in this story, you have a widower with seven children, and, and they are horrible monsters. Monsters. And... He is unsuccessful at hiring a nanny that can take care of his children while he's at work. Mm-hmm. Until Nanny McPhee what shows up. What you need is Nanny McPhee. Right, Nanny McPhee shows up and she is... She's a government. She is ugly. <laughs> she's a government nanny. <laughs> she's, she's not a handsome woman. No, she's not. <laughs> but... There's something obviously strange about Nanny McPhee. She quickly shows that she, yeah, she has some kind of magical powers and stuff. And her job is to teach the children the lessons that they need to learn. Five lessons. Do you remember what they were? To get up when you are told. Go to bed when you're told. Get dressed Mm -hmm. when you're told. Say please and thank you. And, And I can't remember the other one. Yeah, me either. All right, so they're pretty simple lessons, but some kind of basic. When you see this crew of kids, it's a, a daunting task if you don't <laughs> have magic powers. Yeah. So as Nanny McPhee succeeds in teaching these lessons to the kids, uh, then 
her ugliness starts going away. Big hairy warts disappear from her face. Mm-hmm. The snaggle tooth mm-hmm. goes away, and a big bulbous nose, mm-hmm. and her she drops a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah. Her unibrow becomes a eyebrows, a set of eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, and and so by the end of the movie, Nanny McPhee is a handsome woman, mm-hmm. she, where she wasn't before. Yeah. So as the kids get morally better. Mm-hmm. Nanny McPhee gets less and less ugly. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Then at one point in the plot, it becomes apparent that this widower, who can't handle his own kids and all that, mm-hmm. he apparently can't really provide for them either. He has a job. He's a mortician. Mm-hmm. and But that's obviously not enough to pay the rent and keep everybody fed. Well, you wouldn't think so. I mean... And so he has an aunt that gives him an allowance that pays the rent and takes mm-hmm. care of bills and stuff. And she has decided that what he needs and what the kids need is a new mom. And so she gives an ultimatum yeah. that a month he has a month to remarry or that he's cut off, yeah. which will mean horrible things for the it's, family. Yeah. And Nanny McPhee helps in that area, too. And hilarity ensues as the children do what they can to try to drive off a bad marriage prospect and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So tell me, Mom, give me your overall impressions. Nanny McPhee, what do you think? I like it. I think it's a fun movie. It's a... Uh got some bad kids in it. It really is pretty family friendly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's not anything with language or clothing or attire or, you know. Right. So that's that's all good. Uh, Mrs. Quickly has a fairly low-cut boss in one scene. Yeah. Well, but she's a desperate woman. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's still nothing. It's not obscene or anything. No. Uh, Risque, perhaps? I, my summary of Nanny McPhee is it's like Mary Poppins without the fun of Dick Van Dyke. Without all the dancing? And without all the music yeah. and the dancing. Mm-hmm. And so you're left with, uh, well, Nanny McPhee. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I don't know if that's a ringing endorsement or what. <laughs> well, no, it's not meant to be a ringing endorsement. I think you obviously liked it a lot more than I did, but but I guess there's nothing terribly objectionable or offensive about it. I just didn't think it hit the heights. Mm, I see. There were some questions that I had, though, and I wonder what you think of these. And I'm not sure they touch on worldview yet, but they certainly have something to do with production and and what the movie makers had in mind mm-hmm. as they did this. And one of them is that most of the story takes place inside the house where the kids live. Yeah. And that house is painted very, is, is the word garishly. Yeah. Anyway, very loud colors, mm-hmm. almost fluorescent colors yeah. at times. Offensive, almost. Yeah, and, <laughs> and the, the colors are so 
vivid and and really kind of outrageous, it doesn't really look terribly realistic. Mm -hmm. It does allow them, I think, to show that the house really is in kind of a state of disrepair. Because when everything is painted like that, it's easy to spot the places that aren't painted as well. Mm -hmm. And it gives the, you can see the house is kind of running down. Yeah. And so my question was, oh, let me ask you this. (laughs) Nanny McPhee trivia. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm sure you'll get it. With all these wild colors and, and costumes in the show with vivid colors, mm-hmm. outrageous colors. Well, that's some characters, not all the characters. Yeah. Like What's the one place in the house that doesn't have that? I think it's the kitchen. No, it's Nanny McPhee's room. Well, there's nothing in her room. Yeah, I know, but when you, <laughs> when you, go, into, when you go into Nanny McPhee's quarters, everything is kind of gray. And there's no colors. And, of course, her smock that she wears is black. Yeah. And so she doesn't have... She's not one of the ones running around in the wild colors. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering what was the... Why was that choice made? If you're a movie maker, what makes you decide to do that? And is it a storytelling device? And if so, I guess I missed the message. I'm not sure what the colors were about or... Well, I know uh, as we pull up to the house from being far out and looking at it, you have a very picturesque home. It's out in the countryside. It looks like a nice place. And then you get inside, and like you say, you know, the colors are just really kind of hard. (laughs) Yeah. And I think maybe it's representative of just some of the dysfunction that's happening in the house. Oh. And... Of course, always on the outside, when we look at people, when we look at homes, we get an impression of what must be behind that facade, and oftentimes they don't, they're not the same. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a disconnect, and I think that, um, I think you see that in this movie. So you're suggesting that kind of the wildly inappropriate colors that nobody would use in real life that that kind of is symbolic of just like the moral state of the inside of the home. Yeah, maybe so. And then you have to remember, too, that the mom's not there. And this is a recent development that the mom's no longer there. And so where these may have been bright and happy colors when she was there. Now it just looks weird. Yeah, now it's not so much. Yeah. And the kids are wild, like the colors are wild. Mm -hmm. Well, then that would make sense because now you've got then you've got Nanny McPhee in her room and everything's very calm and gray and not a it's not a depressing gray it's just a, a much more orderly space. Her room is empty. Uh, well, there's nothing there. That's right. But I'm saying in terms it's of color. It's a bare room. Yeah, it's like an, an attic that's cleaned out. Uh, you you call it her room, and I guess it is. But I mean, there's no furniture. There's nothing <laughs> right. in there. Yeah. Well, she's got a table and chair. I don't know where she sleeps, but... That's the question. (laughs) Right. Nobody knows where she sleeps. But she takes Sunday afternoons off, is what we know. Right, that's true. Okay, the other question that I had that I mentioned to you before is that you've got this family-friendly film that, you know, uh, including a lot of slapstick and... Mm -hmm. and, uh, 
and pretty juvenile humor yeah. in places just to be fun and childlike and, and all that. But there are places in the film and they're scattered throughout. It's kind of a it's an underlying theme. There are some dark things going on yeah. in the in the first scene, the last nanny that the kids drove away, <laughs> the reason that she's running away screaming is yeah. she's convinced that they have that they're that the six older kids are eating the seventh baby. Yeah. And uh, that they've cooked her in a pot. Right. And then when the dad goes to check and make sure that's not the issue, well, they've got this. They've got pieces of a deep fried chicken. And they're wearing clothes, <laughs> and it's wearing baby clothes and stuff while they're eating it. Yeah, and uh, and then there's another scene in the kitchen where when Nanny gets there, when Nanny McPhee comes to save the day, they're raising a ruckus, and and when she finally gets it under control, uh, the baby is seconds away from being tossed into a, a boiling pot. pot of boiling water on the stove. And that's pretty dark. Yeah. And then Dad being a mortician, and there are a couple of scenes in which the dialogue in the scene takes place over a dead yeah. body that's on the slab there. Yeah. Not only that, but there's uh, there's talk that if if they do lose the house because he hasn't found a wife, mm-hmm. he even says to the children, "This, I'm not sure any of you will get to stay together. And yeah. Several of you may be shipped off to a workhouse or something like that. Yeah. Wow. It was a dire situation. <laughs> that's that's some dark stuff yeah. there, you know. And so I just wondered what your thought was on that. Was just was that? I, I guess I'm just wondering why. What was the purpose of those kind of dark things going on? Well, if I tell you, then I'd be talking about what we talk about after. Oh, the okay. Break. All right. All right. <laughs> So you're saying it does... I think so. It has something to do with the deeper Yeah, thing. I think so. All right. Well, <laughs> I want to hear what you have to say about that. <laughs> well, all, all right. right. Do, you, do you have a letter grade before we go to break? What would you um, give? I like it. I would watch it again. Oh. We have it. You know, that's why I have it. Now, Nanny McPhee Returns... I don't know if I like that one so much. And oh, I don't know if we have that remember. one. But, yeah, there was a, a second movie in it. Um... But I like, I like the first one. Now, I think when we first saw this and you bought the DVD, our kids were about the age that the movie's aimed at, right? Or they were much closer. Well, yeah, they were younger. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. This is kind of an older... <laughs> you know, this is actually a suggested movie by Jordan. Jordan said, hey, what about Nanny McPhee? And I said... Oh, shout oh, out to Jordan. Maybe so, maybe so. So... All right. So let's well, call her up and see what she thinks. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's in class right now, so All right. it's just us. Well, let's take our break, and then we'll come back and talk more thematic worldview stuff. Here's Alrighty. our break. Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. 
Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. And we're back. Worldview Media Podcast. I'm Gordon Runyon with nickname Pending. <laughs> hey, Pending. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that fits. <laughs> I don't see how. <laughs> You're not Pending? <laughs> I'm fully arrived. <laughs> My nickname hasn't... There's a whole process and stuff. Oh, God, it was going to be Pending. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's horrible. <laughs> That's worse than Big Shooter. I really liked Big Shooter. I'm, I'm kind of sad to see it go. Mm. All right, so we're talking about Nanny McPhee. We're talking more in terms of thematic stuff and worldview issues and what's going on here. And I think, uh, to me, I would kind of summarize the plot of Nanny McPhee. It's a, it's kind of a very large parable about, about things like obeying your parents and mm-hmm. and being polite mm-hmm. and one thing that I Maybe noticed the golden rule yeah there's a lot of golden rule kind of stuff in there one thing I noticed is that Nanny McPhee has these five rules that are very simple mm-hmm. and very narrow mm-hmm. but it seemed to me that as she was able to enforce those rules and get the kids to go along with them mm-hmm. that deeper changes happened in them than just those things. Yeah. You think that's uh Yeah, I'd say yes. <laughs> well, I know for me, thinking about first off watching the movie, I know there was a there's something important about the relationship between Nanny McPhee and the kids and the whole household. And so I was thinking you know, what is it? What is it? What is it? And to me, I can see her representing God's law. Oh, really? And so she walks into this house that there is no law. There, you know, people are running around, doing what they want, feeling good about it, yeah. destroying everything in the process, mind you. And they see and, her as ugly. And she walks and in harsh. and she's ugly and she's harsh and yeah. she's this thing that... <laughs> has been imposed in their path yeah and as they are learning these lessons that's becoming internalized in them right and as this process changes for them suddenly she's not so ugly suddenly all these things that were uh in you know they were cramping their style it was crushing them (laughs) it was 
getting in their way. It wasn't things that they wanted to do. But suddenly they're realizing, oh, this is good. This is good for me to say please and say thank you and to go to bed when I'm told and to get up when I'm told and to trust that someone's here to take care of me that I can trust is going to take care of me. Right. And so I really see um, a picture of her being like God's law coming into a a world, the family full of sin, full of all this brightly weird weirdness and the colors. (laughs) Right. And that as they change, she doesn't change. She doesn't, you know, like start goofing off with them right. and they're playing. She remains steadfast in what she's there to do. Yeah. And the children change. Right. And because the children change, the dad changes. Everything else in the family changes. And so yeah. for me, I really saw her as that element. Like you know, God's when you law. first said that, I was like, Oh no! What are you coming up with? <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I see it. I see it because when you start preaching the law of God to dead in sin mm-hmm. sinners, it's offensive. It's offensive, and they hate it, and they don't like it. But as God changes our hearts, then we come to the point of saying, "With David, oh how I love thy law." Mm-hmm. And and that's you know her whole yeah. saying is that so long as you need me but don't want me I'll be here but as soon as you don't need me but you want me then I'll go (laughs) and you know and that's when that changed but by then all those things have become internalized internal and so they don't really need her right there on site anymore we don't need Moses yeah as a person because the law is within our hearts and then when you were talking about you know all these dark things yeah. You know, with the baby getting thrown into the pot, you know, that was happening because they were not doing what they should have been doing. Right. And the one, the ringleader, refused, I'm not going to do this. And right. she said, don't do it. And there's consequences. Yeah. And there's consequences. Right. If you're willing to accept the consequences, then yeah. go ahead. <laughs> and that was another thing that she was always telling the oldest one. Right. Well, if you'll, you'll accept the consequences, then sure, go ahead and do it. Right. But yeah. you got you remember what you've told me. Yeah, right. And so I just um, really see her in that aspect here. And so that's um, very interesting. Yeah. I think and so then you know all those really dark underlying things. Well, that's the reality of uh, a disobedience. Yeah. yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, I think. Wow. <laughs> knocking that out of the park today, Mama. I'm so excited. <laughs> I tell you. Now next week I won't be any good. <laughs> Yeah, that's really good. I like that a lot. Uh, another another kind of thematic thing that ran through for a while was with the whole forced marriage thing. Mm-hmm. And I found it really interesting that the... I don't know, maybe this is just an irritation on my, on my part, but... Our culture tends to really exalt romantic love as if it's, you know, in the place of God. And, mm-hmm. and I almost felt like there was some of that going on. Here's the guy who knows that, let's say he is in a situation where the only choices are to get married to this woman that he really doesn't like and can't stand her very much and finds her offensive and all that. Yeah. Is that his only choice 
compared to the one that says maybe I'll never see my children again and some of them will be adopted by who knows who. And, yeah, and, maybe, uh, maybe not. Maybe they'll just be on the streets. Right, or, yeah. maybe they'll just be homeless. They'll be in this, they'll be basically slaves in the workhouses or yeah. whatever. Uh, the movie almost came to a point at the very end where he said, I can't marry the woman. I don't love her. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and I just thought, that's the only way you could get there is if you were exalting romantic love to a place that maybe it doesn't deserve to be. I mean, I'm all in favor of marrying the person that you yeah. love. And, and but I, I think there were lots of reasons he shouldn't have married the woman that he was going to marry. Yeah, well, she was horrid. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she wasn't going to be a good mom. I'm not sure she, she was a... Be... Was she really a female? <laughs> yes. You think so? Yes, she's been in other things as oh, okay. well. Probably not quite so garish, but yeah, she's oh, okay. been in other things. All right. Too. <laughs> well, I had my, I had my suspicions. <laughs> well, you know, for me, if we pull out a little bit more, yeah, there's always someone else saying, "This is how you solve your situation." Yeah. And so I kind of see that aunt as being a worldly view about. You can't get things in line here with your kids. You need someone here, so let me tell you how you're going to do this. And the whole time, the person who needed to be his wife was already in his household. Right, yeah. He just didn't feel comfortable with what was going on there. He didn't feel, it was for whatever reason. Conventions of the day. Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, even when uh, Evangeline comes back and the kids are like, oh, she's beautiful. And his, what does he say? She's always looked like that. Oh. You know, so he, it wasn't that her going away made this big transformation and suddenly she was like, oh, suddenly you're something I must right. I must attain to. I think he saw that when she was there doing the cleaning and helping with the kids and doing all those things, but he wasn't either confident enough to step out and do that or, you know, for whatever reason. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Or when the thought of, I have to get married... When that started coming up, he never apparently gave any thought to, how about this beautiful woman that my kids love, and I think she's gorgeous. Yeah. That never crossed his mind, because she was the scullery maid, or, I don't know. I thought that whole plot point was a little bit iffy for me. Well, and I think you see him, you know, he's sad when she leaves. And sometimes you have people in your lives that you're kind of like, well this is a nice thing, but you take it for granted. You don't really, you know, appreciate what it is and, or recognize what it is maybe because that's just how it is. (laughs) Sure. But, you know, the aunt to me is like the world saying, this is how you solve your situations where still with Nanny McPhee and Evangeline going away and coming back and, you know. Yeah, that's interesting. I, uh, there was a point that I caught that I thought was neat because you don't see it very much in modern shows and that is that Nanny McPhee does come in and she's the strictest disciplinarian that they've had probably mm-hmm. or at least she had the power to follow through where the others didn't quite have the stomach for it or whatever Yeah, but I think probably the reason the movie was successful and didn't get 
slammed is because she never spanked the kids. You know, and and she didn't ever spank the kids, mm-hmm. but she did use corporal punishment against them. <laughs> you know, yeah. she wasn't beyond using her little magic stick to cast a spell that wound up causing them some physical pain and discomfort, mm-hmm. and and uh, and I kind of I kind of appreciated that. I'm not sure everybody caught that that yeah. the way she enforced her rules really was by. Uh, the non-spanking equivalent of spanking. You know, yeah. when they wanted her to believe that they couldn't get out of bed when she told them to because they were faking the measles. Yeah. Then she taps her magic stick and suddenly they are all feeling sick and mm-hmm. manifesting measles symptoms and stuff. And, yeah. And now they're suffering in their bodies and she gives them this medicine which is purposely the grossest thing and well we don't know if it's purposefully but you know it's oh, it had to be it had to be it was nasty looking and, and uh and that was part of the that was part of the punishment and the training it was mm-hmm. if you want to act that way this is what you get as a consequence well basically they were lying no yeah, well, sure so yeah. there was a consequence for lying right hmm yeah <laughs> <laughs> And they would have probably preferred what uh, getting their mouth washed out with soap or yeah, probably. something like That's that. That's what it looked like after they took it. <laughs> <laughs> probably be begging for soap. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Any other any other issues or thematic things that you came up with? Well, I think the ending is really nice. You know, where she comes up and you even see a transformation in her clothing. So suddenly she's clothed in white and walking down. And, um, Who is? Oh, Evangeline. Evangeline. Yeah. And even Nanny McPhee changes and, you know, she's not in the dark black cloak anymore. And, you know, she's also more radiant. Yeah. Too. So I think there's, there's stuff there as well. It was interesting. What... Here's the thing. She said at one point that she was from the government. Yeah. She's a government nanny. A government nanny. <laughs> now, I'm wondering, since we've been talking about this, I'm wondering, does does that give more credence to your theory that we're talking about some higher law, like a higher government? Could be. Because it's obvious that she wasn't from Earth. You know, she was a different kind of she was a different creature. Kind of, well, and he, knew, he knew he had also exhausted... There was no one left to Yeah, there was help. no one left yeah. there to help him. And I think, you know, when she first comes in, he's like, oh, are you from the agency? And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm a government nanny. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, so, but that's not even possible. She wasn't from... No. A human government. No, and the, the government wouldn't have nannies. Absolutely. You know, that was just... Right. And they wouldn't put up with her anyway. Probably not. She's too effective. Well, that makes it... <laughs> I kind of... I kind of... I kind of chalk that up as maybe being more reinforcement for your theory. That maybe she embodies, like, higher law or something like that. Or you said specifically, you know, God's law. Well, I see her as being a... A similar type of vehicle yeah, for this family. Kind of an icon. 
and standing in the place of something like that. Well, that's very interesting. That uh, suddenly things that I thought were weird are kind of falling into place for Which, me. Which, you know, and that's looking at it from a specific worldview perspective. Right. They may not have intended all yeah, that. Yeah, they may not have intended that, but right. certainly I see that and I see it really clearly. And so, yeah. you know, that's. Um, that's interesting. Do you know kind of where the story comes from? I don't. I think it's actually a book. I wonder how old the book is and if it's possible that it was informed by a Christian. I would say it's 1800s is what I would guess. But I don't, uh, I couldn't tell you anything more. All right, let me check on that real fast. Okay, so according to Wikipedia, Nanny McPhee (laughs) is based on a couple of books that were written uh, in the... 60s and 70s called Nurse Matilda mm-hmm. the Nurse so Matilda off. books but they're based on they, the article says the books are based on stories that were told to the author when she was a little girl told by her grandfather so they may be if, I don't know did he make them up or were they I don't know. kind of common stories or, or, yeah I don't know well, that's interesting. It does make me wonder. Your your explanation of how a lot of the weirder elements might actually fit with a Christian worldview uh, really makes me wonder about the and origin of those. You know, we can't really know for sure because I haven't read the book sure. to see. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes directors take creative license and they do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they do certain things with the set. They do so. Yeah. But in my mind, it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, well, it's certainly a good theory. It works for me. A lot of the questions that I had kind of fallen into place now as I think about it. Alrighty then. So you now do you like else? the story more? I do. I like the story more. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't want to watch it again, but I... <laughs> You can be more appreciative of the story. Sitting back and reminiscing about the last time that I watched it, I, I feel better now about it. All right. Alrighty. You got anything else? Nope, nothing else. All right. Well, thank you all for watching this episode. Watching? With your ears. <laughs> uh, go out there and dominionize. Learn how to tell the stories and uh, glorify Christ even in the arts and entertainment. Amen. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks.